This episode of Tech News Day is sponsored by HelloFresh and by Manscaped. Tech News Day is back. And if you thought that maybe over the last two weeks the world of tech had somehow ceased to be dumb as all hell, we regret to inform you that it has not. Mm, tech's still working in 2022. So we might as well just go ahead and dive right into the deep end with some news that I know a lot of you are sick and tired of hearing about, but we don't make the news, we just report on it. That's right. It's NFT time. No, I thought we left that behind in 2021. No, come on, it's lame now, right? Non-fungible tokens refuse Mm. to go away despite almost certainly ruining at least a few marriages on Christmas Day when spouses were gifted $10,000 cartoon animal JPEGs instead of like, I don't know, jewelry or whatever they actually wanted. Honey, it's an investment. I saw a couple like screenshotted tweets of like, I gave my like different generations of people NFTs and like there's like people claiming how smart the children are because like, I know exactly what this is. Thank you for the wonderful investment. Like, fuck you. Give me the Gerber life grow up plan. Yeah, that didn't fucking happen. Mm -hmm. Anyway, the NFT news does not stop even for holidays. And I guess we should probably start with an update on the final big NFT story of last year. Crazy Frog. (laughs) (laughs) He just can't get that bike to start. Uh, yeah, and once he got it started, everyone was very upset because yeah. it turned out to be the NFT. The bike was an NFT the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So when we last checked in on Crazy Frog, the CGI cartoon ringtone mascot and cover song artist from the early two thousands, um, he was in a uh, in the midst of a long awaited comeback. But even Crazy Frog diehards weren't so hot on w- at least one aspect. Dare I say the most major aspect? of his return, the NFTs. And now the official Crazy Frog social channels were getting bombarded with hate and even death threats over the decision to make Crazy Frog NFTs. And even Crazy Frog's social managers took steps to distance themselves from it. Uh, but it sounded like Crazy Frog's owners were dead set on releasing a Crazy Frog NFT collection on December 23rd, just in time for Christmas. We've made these assets and they're gonna get used. It's happening. So uh, let's check in on what these things actually look like. Was was Santa good to Crazy Frog? Yeah. And, uh, oh. It would appear that the official website for these Crazy Frog NFTs has not been updated since it was first launched. Hmm. It still says, launching soon, and there apparently was no Crazy Frog NFT drop on December 23rd after all. Uh, what makes this even more confusing is that despite all the fuss about this last month, when it was announced, we can't find any actual info on what's happened where are the NFTs? It seems like everyone just kind of forgot that this was supposed to have happened already. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would think at least a few NFT weirdos and Crazy Frog loyalists would be uh, talking about this at all. Upset about it, maybe. The lack of Crazy Frog NFTs on their promised date. But no, no one seems to actually care. That's because the very vocal Crazy Frog diehards were the, one that were the ones that were opposed to this. Very severely. Yeah. So they lost interest quick, so no comments at all. And it's like, the the NFT community, I feel like, you know, there's hype when it drops and immediately afterwards when everyone who is in on the grift immediately sells everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's no one like, oh, we missed an NFT drop because there's always another one to take there's its place. always another drop. There's always another sucker. So yeah, Crazy Frog got yelled at for a week about selling NFTs and then they just, I guess, quietly paused or canceled those plans without even acknowledging it. Anyway, the moral of the story is clearly that bullying works. Yeah. We say this time and time again, but bullying directed at the right target is very effective. Either that or they were like, we got to redo all the assets because people are, for whatever reason, 
very uh, adamant about Crazy Frog having a giant penis. Yeah, we forgot to put the penis yeah, on. Yeah, so. we, these aren't going to sell. Back to the lab. Yeah. Also, we need different color like glasses and yeah. uh, mustaches and all kinds of stuff. This Crazy Frog has a skateboard growing out of his this butt. Crazy Frog has two penises. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Double yeah, dick Crazy that Frog. That one is very rare. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to want to cash in all your Ethereums or whatever for that. Yeah. Now, of course, bullying one completely pointless NFT project off the internet means very little in the grand scheme of things. We're up against the biggest cash grab, get-rich-quick scheme in modern history here. So we're going to need to do a lot more bullying. So after Crazy Frog was defeated, a new opponent emerged. Actor Richard Karn. <laughs> Sit around, gather around, kids. Let's tell you who Richard Karn is. Uh, Richard Karn is most known for his role as Al Borland in the 1990s sitcom Home Improvement. And uh, lesser known as the host of Family Feud from 2002 to 2006. But he's also had plenty of smaller roles over the years, including on Pen15. His, like, he's great his comeback. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. He plays a somewhat absentee father, and it's a great role. And it kind of finally shook the, uh, the kind of typecast that he had for a while. Yeah, yeah. Because he was a drummer. Yeah. Not a handyman. He's a drummer. Completely different. No tools allowed. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, Pen15 is a great show. It's a good you should show. Watch you should watch it. But uh, yeah, Richard Karn, not exactly an A-lister, but he's still a household name as long as the average age of the people in your household is 40 or so. And yeah. uh, someone in Richard Karn's orbit seems to have recently convinced him to get in on the NFT cash grab by partnering with a company called Super Fandom, which... Based on their website, they have NFT projects in the works uh, for a bunch of social media influencers that we've never heard of, and also Jake Busey, the son of Gary Busey. It's just a chattering teeth. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, Richard Karn, who announced his collab via a Twitter post that simply featured a URL and an image of himself with the words, Richard Karn exclusive NFT drop coming soon. You asked for it, you got it. Richard Karn is... Making NFTs now. Everyone is so excited about oh, these. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Not oh, even that. What? He's just like the guy on the show. He was just the guy that was concerned about safety the entire time. I don't think so, Tim. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, he was like 35 in season one. It, everything makes me feel old, but yeah. especially seeing celebrities that are my age back then when they were my age. And I looked at it. I was like, yeah, if I mean, like that looks like someone I could know who just maybe dressed that way and groomed themselves that way. It's not that much of a stretch. Yeah, Ooh, feel old as fuck. Yeah, time do be moving. But unlike with Crazy Frog, this announcement, it just triggered more confusion than actual anger. Uh, it also seemed to indicate that the NFT space was reaching critical mass. I mean, if you're bearish on NFTs, a Richard Karn NFT collection would indicate that this market is clearly an oversaturated bubble that is ready to burst at any moment. And if you're bullish, it showed that NFTs were now ready to welcome a new customer base. Boomers. And uh, yeah, back to Super Phantom itself. Uh, they haven't launched anything yet, but their take on NFTs, it, it seems to be like a, a cameo-like twist where buying an NFT entitles you to stuff like a Zoom call with Richard Karn or whoever's NFT you bought. That's like, when I first saw this, I was like, this sounds like the cameo version of NFTs. Where it's literally exactly what it is. You are taking the workload away from uh, B, C, all the way whatever lists celebrities who still need to make a living. Uh, and can't rely entirely off of their residuals, uh, and making uh, a, a way for them to easily make money yeah. through their fan bases. And Cameo did that really well with just being like, look, you record like 15 seconds saying happy birthday to someone, and it, yeah. you're done. And now it's like, NFTs. It's the stu 
Richard, I'm not even going to bore you with the details. I'm not even going to Al Borland you with the it's details. It's like Cameo and there's a token. I don't need to explain the whole blockchain to you, Richard. Just you, sign the paperwork. Richard, you're a man who gets his hands dirty. You like tools. And uh, we're not going to try to explain this nerd shit to you. But yeah. sign on the dotted line. You're going to make a lot of money. So, yeah, this it seems to be exactly that. Um, so, in fairness, it, it's not just any old cash grab. It's an innovative new cash grab for the fans uh, that is probably going to get bought out uh, by uh, some stupid media company and make everyone that in invented this very rich. And I'm very jealous of them. Uh, I wish I had the grifting gene. Yeah. I, I yeah. 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 I just don't have it in me. I wish <laughs> I, I did. I'd have a lot more money. Yeah. But alas, it seems that enough people got into Richard Carnes' replies begging him not to do this pretty nicely, not yelling at him like they did with Crazy Frog, but mm -hmm. just being Rick Richard. Come on, please. Yeah. Enough people did that that just two days after his announcement, Richard Carn posted this to Twitter. I've thought long and hard about NFTs, and I've decided it's not something I need to do. Along with a photo of him seated in a restaurant booth, looking into the camera and smiling. And he's just like, yeah, I already have a great life. What am I doing getting mixed up in this NFT shit? The, the second I became unhappy was the second I dared appear on the internet doing something that I'm I should I'm Richard Carn. Yeah. I don't need this shit. I'm Richard Carn. Leave me alone. Yeah and, yeah, and he got more love from the internet by canceling his NFT plans than yeah. he ever would have doing NFTs. Now... This is the new. Uh, this is a conspiracy. The new business grift is yeah. you. You announce an NFT project, and then you cancel it two days later, and all yeah, of a sudden people like, are like, "You know that Richard Carnes a great guy." Yeah. Yeah. Real man of the people. Uh huh. It's like when Keanu said NFTs were stupid. Yeah. Everyone's like, "Well, great." That's the new hot. Every publicist is like, "You gotta talk shit on NFTs." We're gonna have a fake NFT project through this stupid <laughs> website, and then you're gonna cancel it. It's gonna be incredible. Yeah. So and yeah that that. Uh, Again, that, that tweet from Richard Carn, incredible, but more valuable than any NFT, Truly. in my opinion. Yeah. Just, just great stuff. Real yeah. great boomer posting. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, Richard Carn, his heart clearly wasn't in any of this. He would have done more than just post a single photo. He, he very half-heartedly announced the project, probably as like a line-item obligation to the people he signed with. Yeah. He went completely Twitter silent for two days and then just came back saying, no, I don't think so, Tim. Now... Tim the Soul Man Taylor, that is someone who I could see going through with the process entirely. Yeah, that I could see. They should do like a, uh, I'm not trying to give them ideas, but like a Binford Tools uh, Sexy Calendar NFT series. Can't do that Got, anymore. You put Heidi on there. Yeah. Looking great. It was Pam Anderson in season one, and then... Uh, well, they switched the, Heidi's all the time. Then she went on to Baywatch. They had, a, they had one Heidi for a while. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, but yeah, all the all the kids, uh, I could imagine them getting in on this. They're they're middle aged now, and uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. He disappeared. He did the great thing. He's yeah. like, I started in a bunch of Disney movies and sitcoms, and I am done. This fame shit fucking sucks. Anyway, I have like ten million dollars. Let's get the fuck out of here. Yeah, good for him. Mm -hmm. Although he's probably into some crypto shit. If I had to guess, uh, a lot of a lot of former child stars have gotten deep into crypto. Has what's his name done it yet? Uh, the guy from the Goonies that had the Angels band, where they had the Angels flying around, Charlie uh, Corey Feldman. Oh shit! Exclusive Charlie's uh, his Angels. Yeah, yeah. He's got he's got his uh, harem of Angels. Or like Charlie Sheen, Tiger Blood NFTs. Yeah, buy my NFT and I'll spill more dirt on Hollywood pedophiles. Mm -hmm. But you got to buy the NFT. Um, yeah, and it, it, what was funny? We were talking about it the other day when we brought up the Richard Carn NFTs thing. It was just like. 
Richard Karn, it was just so funny that he got like so typecast and famous as Al Borland. Yeah, he, he was doing like doing actual commercials for like Lowe's and shit. Yeah, like wearing a tool belt. Like, yeah, like, fuck it. It's this the only man is a think. like trained actor. He yeah. has never actually worked on a job site, but He's, he looks like the kind of guy that would. Sears, so. they'll come install your AC unit in 24 yeah. hours. I'm Al Borland. Yeah. You don't even know my real name and you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's great. Most people do not know who Richard Karn is, but more people know who Al Borland is. Yeah. It's awesome. The magic of fame. Yeah. Anyway, we'll never see what those Richard Karn NFTs would have looked like. I'm, it was probably just the, the thing that he showed. <laughs> I'm kind of, yeah, that would have been, I, I'm very curious, though. It's probably safe to assume, though, that they would have been wholesome and family-friendly like Richard Karn. Mm-hmm. That is not the case, though, for the NFTs in this next story, which occupy one of the most degenerate corners of the influencer economy. Fart fetishes. <laughs> now, by now, you've no doubt heard of Twitch streamers incorporating flatulence into their erotic ASMR streams for all the little freaks to get off on. (laughs) But that's really just the tip of the iceberg. There are women making absolute banks selling physical jars filled with their actual farts. And one of those women has now branched out into fart NFTs after suffering a fart-related health scare. Uh, Here's Gizmodo. A reality TV star who sells her farts in jars has decided to stop selling them despite making $1,000 per jar. But fans of her work shouldn't worry too much. She's still going to sell her farts as non-fungible tokens, more commonly known as NFTs. Stephanie Motto, who appeared on the reality TV show 90 Day Fiancé and gained a huge following on TikTok, says she had to go to the hospital recently with gastric complications because she was eating so many high-fiber foods to produce more and more farts. Quote, I thought I was having a stroke and that these were my final moments, Motto told UK's Jam Press about her unexpected trip to the hospital near her home in Connecticut. I was overdoing it. Motto, who refers to herself as a fartrepreneur, <laughs> started farting in jars and selling them online in November and documented the foods she was eating on TikTok to keep up her flatulence, like beans, protein, muffins, and eggs. Motto was reportedly taking in roughly $50,000 per week through her highly profitable endeavor, but it wasn't long before the strain became too much. I didn't tell my doctors about the farting in the jar, but I did tell them about my diet. It was made clear that what I was experiencing wasn't a stroke or heart attack, but very intense gas pains, Motto told Jam Press. I was advised to change my diet and to take a gas suppressant medication, which has effectively ended my business, Motto continued. Damn. Yeah. She was actually probably producing the other uh, clearly named NFT, the non-flushable turd, as we've uh, mentioned before. Yeah, it's not all gas. Yeah. This is a non-flushable turd because it's not a turd at all. It's just the essence. You just kind of wheeled something into existence that I don't like at all. What? Women selling their turds. Oh, that'll happen. That'll happen. We're just like, we are, what the Belle Delphine bathwater thing was only like two years ago, and we've already gotten to farts in jars. Like, it's going to happen. I don't like this. It's going to happen. So anyway, this Stephanie Motto lady, she has now pivoted her fart business to the blockchain. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is permanent. Uh, on her <laughs> lives forever. On her website, fartjarsnft.com, we see that purchasing one of the 5,000 fart jar NFTs costs 0.05 Ether, or around $170. But that does not include the very appropriately named gas fees, which can, <laughs> it can drive up that price quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, scrolling down a bit, the website asks us to imagine the smell before showing us what these NFTs actually look like. And it's eh, what you would expect. It's just a bunch of cartoon jars with different facial expressions and hats. (laughs) Now, of course, if you're a true fart fetishist, these JPEGs, wow, right up your alley, are no substitute for the real thing. But thankfully, Stephanie considered this and offered the following real-world bonuses for early adopters. 
100 NFTs will be redeemable for a real-life jar, which has been farted in by the beautiful Stephanie Mato. 70 NFTs will be redeemable for panties worn by Stephanie herself. 30 NFTs will be redeemable for lingerie worn by Stephanie herself. And 10 NFTs will be redeemable for Steph's queef jars. Why did you just pivot into queefing? Is there yeah. negative uh, health effects for that? Well, like, that one, you just need like a little air pump. But it's not the same. Can't get off on queefs like I get off on farts. Yeah, I guess. And I, I can't know. pivot. I'm too old. <laughs> And all those rewards are no longer listed on fartjarsnft.com, so we're going to assume that they were already bought up, and everyone who did buy those is now on an FBI watch list. Good. The Fart Inspectors Union. Federal Bureau of... Butthole Inspector. (laughs) But there are still other rewards available, like access to an exclusive Discord channel, private Zoom meetings with Stephanie, which I assume she would fart in, uh, and most intriguingly, a mentor program described as Become a girl boss with access to a private group with Steph where you can be mentored on how to build a brand, become a content creator, and become a fartpreneur. And if you're curious about this project's roadmap, well, here's the roadmap section. The Fart Jar project has no roadmap. The tokens have clear and obvious utility as mentioned above. Clearly the answers were given yeah. directly above. What else do you need to know? I love the projects that are just like, this. there is no point to this other than, there's a bunch of projects that some of the art is actually cool throughout the year. It's like, we have no roadmap, it's art. People are going to buy this shit, so oh, we did But it. what about the, t- the fart tokenomics? Get, away, get out of here, nerd. We're selling fart jar NFTs over here. I'm surprised I never saw this on TikTok, because there is one uh, woman who pops up mm, every once or twice every month or so. And sh- what she does, she, re- she is full contact sports farting. Uh, she has, you know those big like dummies that look like big beefy men? Yeah. They're like, kind of like with the big old cl- yeah, 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 and yeah. the crew cut. She fights that, she's beating the shit out of it, and then she slaps her ass and farts into her hand and slaps it. It's really intense. And there's like multiple videos. I see it like once a month. A new one will pop up. She'll oh. tackle it, fart oh. right in its face. I don't like it. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah, the comments are always fantastic, folks. So I just came. <laughs> God. Wish I was that dummy. Anyway, with that fart jar news out of the way, I think we're going to call it. On the NFT news. Oh, but not, not, you're not going to mention Ozzy Osbourne's NFT, the Bats NFT? Uh, so you get it. Ozzy Osbourne's trying to make money on fucking NFTs. It's cringe. Yeah. Uh, he clearly doesn't know anything. His publicist clearly was just like, Ozzy, read these words. At least they got, like, someone t- to write the script that was, like, at least somewhat aware of the space. Because it, it is kind of funny seeing Sharon, who doesn't look well. Uh, yeah, talk about do. We're, we're all going to make it and uh, probably nothing and all that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah. No more NFT shit. We're sick of it. I'm sick of it. We do, however, have some more dumb news from the uh, the general world of crypto. Uh, most things coming out of the blockchain these days are basically solutions in search of problems, i.e. completely unnecessary. And the Mari coin, the world's first token for the LGBTQ community, manages to not only be completely pointless, but also uh, pretty offensive. Uh, for starters, if you speak Spanish, you've probably already noticed that Mari coin is just one letter off from a very homophobic word in the Spanish language. Basically, the Spanish F-slur. There are comparisons I could make, but I'm not going to because I'd have to bleep them anyway. Yeah. You get it. So that's a big yikes. But uh, anyway, here's the advocate with more on the Mari coin. New year, new coins. The first LGBTQ plus cryptocurrency launched for 2022. Cryptocurrency is an unregulated digital currency that has risen in popularity. 
On Friday, after a week-long pilot test in a popular LGBTQ neighborhood in Madrid, Spain, MeriCoin has officially launched. The name of the currency is a portmanteau that plays on a widely known anti-gay slur. Transfers between MeriCoin users are to be called trans, according to reports. But MeriCoin's founders hope that the success of the business will empower the community. Quote, Since we move this economy, why shouldn't our community profit from it? instead of banks, insurance companies, or big corporations that often don't help LGBT plus people. Co-founder Juan Belmont told the Thomson Reuters Foundation. The founders hope that MeriCoin will be used as a payment option for LGBTQ plus businesses worldwide. All that wish to use it must sign the Equality Manifesto, which defends the rights of LGBTQ plus people and all minorities. Those who have signed will be put on a map that will be available for LGBTQ plus travelers, uh, if they violate any of the points of our anti-discrimination manifesto, for example, if they fire a pregnant woman because of her pregnancy, they will be expelled from Mary Coyne, Chief Executive Francisco Alvarez told Thompson Reuters. Um, okay. So yeah, this is maybe, I guess, not quite as cynical as it seems at first glance. Still, entirely unnecessary and... Uh, quid- the tracking portion is a bit strange. Yeah, and as you might have guessed, this has... Not gone over well with a lot of LGBTQ folks on the internet who see the name Mari Coin as a uh, pretty much a complete non-starter. There's uh, sorry, <laughs> just right out of happen. the gate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, columnist John Paul Brammer summed it up well with Mari Coin. Did my abuela name this? Because <laughs> old people are bigots. They do say the words. But uh, speaking of old people, here's some news about a 100-year-old brand that simply refuses to die and has now decided to enter the cryptocurrency space specifically to try and get boomers interested in cryptocurrency. Radio Shack. Oh, the place where you can buy all the diodes. Can't buy shit anymore. Yeah. So aside from like some franchising deals and I think like an online store sort of that's probably just drop shipping, the the electronics chain uh, Radio Shack has essentially been dead for a couple years now. Uh, But back in 2020, it was purchased by a company co-owned by none other then Ty Lopez, cool. the uh, here-in-my-garage Hollywood Hills Lamborghini guy whose YouTube ads were inescapable a few years ago. Uh, anyway, Ty Lopez and friends have turned Radio Shack into a crypto company for some reason. Great. Here's The Verge. Radio Shack, the venerable retailer, relaunched as an online-focused brand in 2020, now wants to chart a future as a cryptocurrency exchange. Earlier this week, the company announced Radio Shack DeFi, short for Decentralized Finance, a market where people can swap newly announced radio tokens as an alternative to a centralized exchange like Coinbase. Moreover, Radio Shack insists that it's uniquely positioned to take cryptocurrency mainstream, claiming that Radio Shack and Radio Shack alone can bridge the gap and cross the chasm of mainstream usage for cryptocurrency. Radio Shack's argument is basically that, as a very old brand, it's primed to sell old CEOs on cryptocurrency. Quote, Too many cryptocurrency companies focused on speculation and not enough on making the old school customer feel comfortable. The company's website states, claiming that the average decision-making corporate CEO is 68 years old. The older generation simply doesn't trust the new fangled ideas of the Bitcoin youth, particularly not adults who are especially authoritarian, intelligent, and well-read, i.e. the CEOs that Radio Shack seeks to woo. Its parent company, Retail E-Commerce Ventures, also owns a variety of other brands like Pier 1 Imports and Dress Barn, and Radio Shack speculates about the possibility of a brand like Pier 1 launching its own token through Radio Shack's system. This is just fucking vapor. This means absolutely nothing other than selling old CEOs on something that is 
completely pointless and just there as a trap for them to fall into. And also, like, look, I'm sure they've they've factored a lot of these. I'm sure they've done the research, but the logic to me here does not seem very sound at all when you consider that your average 68-year-old CEO probably only associates the name Radio Shack with catastrophic failure. These are people who are in business and have been for their entire yeah. lives. Radio Shack is a textbook example of like how not to... Just how to snatch victory, uh, defeat from the jaws of victory, or however the fuck it's you like say. It's like blockbuster coin. Yeah. Like, or like they're like they're trying to pitch Enron coin, like anything like that. And people are just like, we know what happened. Old people know Enron. Yeah. They, they trust Enron. <laughs> yeah. I, so this was the biggest electronics retailer brand on earth just 25 years ago, which, of course, as we all remember, was subsequently just decimated by Best Buy and Amazon and just every other competitor into being. Nothing. Just a sad death, too, because it had so many iterations right before its final death. Like, it basically turned into a, 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 cell, a cell phone, phone store. store. And then, like, at the last minute, they're like, we're actually going to get back into electronic, like, hobbyist stuff. But by then, it was, like, too fucking late. They, they just they couldn't find a new identity after big box electronic stores and online shopping came about. Yeah. Uh, it was a great store, though, because um, it was the only, one of the only places you could actually buy, like, electronic components. Uh, back- now we don't even have fries anymore. I know that that one. I'm still still so sad. Yeah, about Fry's Electronics shutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, your average 68 year old CEO is going to be far more aware of Radio Shack's like historic failure than they are aware of what decentralized finance even fucking is. And meanwhile, is anyone who is already deep into blockchain stuff going to want to ditch their existing platforms for a fucking Radio Shack? I don't know. Seems doubtful. But we wish Ty Lopez the best of luck and look forward to Radio Shack's inevitable next demise before it's, I guess, rebooted again as something else. Like, I could see Pier 1 working on the blockchain as the go-to metaverse furniture company. Like, right out of the gate, they're like, Pier 1, we already have it set up. You get this lamp for your meta mm-hmm. house. Yeah. Nice couch. It's all, all these books. Non-fungible furniture. Yes, exactly. Uh, Radio Shack, not so much. But uh, I think he, he might be onto something with the Pier 1 if he can really get through the gate early. It, yeah. It's a grift, but it's a it's decent, a, it's Ty, a better grift. Ty Lopez is master of the grift because he made those annoying fucking ads and everyone like started dunking on him and memeing on him. And then... They gave him more power. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He played us all. Yes. Anyways, we do have more news uh, coming up. But first, it's time for a wee, uh, message from this week's sponsors, uh, starting with HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That is why it's America's number one meal kit. The new year is a great time to focus on what's most important to you. Whether it's saving money by ordering less takeout, learning to cook, or prioritizing your wellness, HelloFresh is here to help with endless options to make cooking at home simple and enjoyable. HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients to your door, including farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week, so you get convenience without skimping on quality. Skip the trip to the grocery store and save yourself the wait in those long holiday lines, or I guess long January lines, and ensuring that you don't waste money on excess food that's just going to go in the trash. One thing about HelloFresh's recipes is that... uh, 
if you've been curious about vegetarian cooking, which I have been more and more recently, they've always got some fantastic tasting recipes for giving that a try, like on their next week's menu uh, with their dynamite mushroom tempura with roasted green beans and zesty rice, and their Hall of Fame sweet corn and poblano chowder with Old Bay toast. Mm. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Newsday16 and use code Newsday16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Again, that is up to 16 free meals and uh, three free gifts if you... Uh, <laughs> <Say> <laughs> <that again. laughs> They're gifts, not grips. Yeah. Uh, by going to HelloFresh.com slash Newsday16 and using code Newsday16. And this episode is sponsored by Manscaped. <laughs> Here's a 2022 resolution you can actually keep. How about having clean and shiny balls all year round? Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to save your balls this year and make the ball drop into 2022 the cleanest and sexiest ever. Look at those smooth balls! Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com slash technewsday for 20% off plus free shipping. New year, new me. With the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, you can have the smoothest balls in town. Uh, This year, take your package to the next level with their Performance Package 4.0 and brand new ultra premium body wash. Inside the Performance Package 4.0, you'll find the signature Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is designed to trim hair on loose skin. The advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts and nicks on your delicate nuts. It also comes equipped with a 4000K LED spotlight that will shine a light to the promised land that 2022 uh, we hope to be. No grooming routine is complete without applying Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver before showing off your 2022 self. These unique formulations take care of the smelliest part of your body and are a big boost to your confidence in the new year. And to complete the scent, Manscaped threw in their Shed Travel Bag and Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs as free gifts to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Mm -hmm. And the new Ultra Premium Body Wash from Manscaped is the perfect addition to your daily grooming routine, but in the shower. This is great smelling body wash is cologne infused with aloe vera and sea salt to keep your skin feeling clean, nice, and moisturized. Kick discomfort and poor hygiene to the curb this year and use the best tools for the job. Whether your resolution is to work out more or travel to new places, be sure to travel to manscaped.com slash technewsday to get our exclusive offer code for 20% off plus free shipping. Cheers to new balls in 2022. Get 20% off and free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash technewsday. That is 20% off with free shipping by going to manscaped.com slash technewsday. It's a New Year No Pubes 2022 with Manscaped. So check them out. And we're back to the news now with something very silly. It's always a joy when actual scientists take a break from studying relevant but boring things and decide to just test out some shit that sounds like it was thought up at a bar after several rounds of drinks as like a bet. And we're going to assume that that's the case with a new study published in the Journal of Behavioral Brain Research, which involved essentially teaching a goldfish how to drive a car. Cool. Look at that little guy go. He's, he's got his own car. Uh, we've seen scientists teach all sorts of animals how to operate vehicles, but this might be the most impressive. But what exactly is going on here? Let's read from Vice. Yeah. After a long day at work, the modern goldfish no longer has to take public transportation home. It can drive via a fish-operated vehicle, or FOV, according to new research published in Behavioral Brain Research. Uh, Documented in a report published in the February 2022 issue of the peer-reviewed journal, researchers at Ben-Gurion University in Negev in Beersheba, Israel, set out to unpack how well goldfish can navigate terrestrial environments when tasked with the right tools. They created a small camera-equipped fish tank on wheels, which they call an FOV, and put six goldfish in it one at a time. Over a number of 30-minute sessions, they pointed the device toward a visual target and rewarded the fish with food each time they reached it. 
recorded the number of times the fish hit the target, how long it took, and how far the fish traveled along the way. Incredibly, the goldfish seemingly took to their new ability to drive on land. You love to see it. They're, uh... We've been underestimating these fish for too long. Yeah, why need why would we need robots when we can put a goldfish in the, uh, yeah. the front of the car? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And apparently these fish, they got pretty good at driving. They were even able to avoid obstacles and dead ends and correct inaccuracies in their driving. They can parallel park, probably. I don't know if they tested that, but that would be That's impressive. That's the next step. And yeah, this is especially impressive considering these goldfish, they were navigating on land where they do not live. They cannot live. Mm-hmm. They'll die. Uh, the study's key takeaway seems to be that animals can adapt to navigate unfamiliar environments. But our key takeaway is that if a fish can learn to drive, your dumbass can learn to use the goddamn turn signal. Am these, I right? Am these, I right? These fish drive better than half the people I see on the road these days. Hey. Yeah. Would love to see a little fish tank car driving out of like driving there he is. The, the fair. Yeah. I saw Jay Leno driving just outside this office uh, the other day. Yeah. Now I so the next the only thing that's gonna impress me now is seeing a goldfish drive by. In a, yeah. in a big old dumb goldfish car. Yeah, it's like I'm waiting for cool stuff like this. And remember when they came out with those like bikes that would return themselves to charging stations? Like ghost bikes. Those would have been fun to see. Yeah. Sorry, Uber drivers. We're, we're firing you all. We're replacing you with goldfish. Oh, my God. Did you see <laughs> the, the video of the, the traffic jam in the Tesla loop? Oh, oh, I thought you were going to say you're on tunnel. I thought you were going to say the traffic jam uh, on the East Coast. Oh, last, well, yeah, that's it lasted horrific. For like 24 hours. No, I didn't see the Tesla traffic jam. Yeah, uh, you know the tunnel that is supposed to, uh, you know, save everyone from traffic, even though it's a t- car-sized tunnel mm-hmm. with human drivers and passengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out, if too many people use it, like during I don't know something like CES, uh, turns out there's a traffic jam that can happen. Who could have seen this coming? It's almost like you could wow. dig tunnels that are train-sized. Bigger tunnels. And put trains in them. Fit more people in a smaller package. That are already uh, uh, powered by electricity. I don't know. Seems seems risky. Will people ever... I don't know if that'll ever work. Oh, what? It happened over 150, 120 years ago? Well, people seem okay. to forget that I, one of the first press conferences for this is like... Elon Musk just basically said that trains are gross yeah no, <laughs> like, he, this is for this is for me to go from my house yeah, to the Tesla. he just factory. personally as a rich douchebag doesn't like the idea of public transportation and like standing near poor people so he invented a whole new system of transportation where you get to stay inside your car with your treats instead of having to see and hear and smell other people and now there's traffic down there wow there you go well i guess we need to dig more tunnels yeah, they're going to need a couple more tunnels, that's for sure. And who's going to pay for it? The taxpayers. It's like 10 lanes of tunnels under the ground. Like, we did it. We've done it, everyone. <laughs> We've done it. We've solved the problem. But let's move over to gaming news. What's up, the, gamers? For all the gamers out there. Call of Duty's free-to-play Warzone Battle Royale, it's been out for nearly two years now, and it's mostly pretty great. I love it. But uh, one major problem has plagued the entire time, and it refuses to go away. And that is, of course, the thing that plagues every online game, cheaters. Play the game for just a few hours and you'll likely have at least one encounter that completely defies all logic. And then when you look at your kill cam, you see that the person who killed you magically emptied an entire magazine into your head from halfway across the map. Hmm. It's annoying and it's also apparently a huge source of revenue for the people developing and selling the tools used to cheat. And now Activision has sued one of those companies selling these cheats. Here's Ars Technica. 
Activision has filed a federal lawsuit against German cheap makers Engine Owning and associated individuals for trafficking in technologies that circumvent or evade anti-cheat technologies used by Activision to protect the integrity of Call of Duty games. Engine Owning charges 13 euros per month or more for subscription access to individualized suites of cheating tools designed for Call of Duty games and also Battlefield, Titanfall 2, and Star Wars Battlefront. The software promises abilities like automated aimbots, auto-firing trigger bots, 2D radar that shows enemy locations on the HUD, and 3D radar that can track and display opposing players even behind cover. EO promises its software is undetectable by automated tools, including Activision's recently launched Ricochet kernel-level anti-cheat tools. The software also includes built-in tools to make cheating less obvious to human moderators and recording software, making users look like a legit player. The company separately sells hardware ID spoofer software that promises to get around hardware-based bans in Call of Duty and other games. In its lawsuit, Activision says these tools have been used thousands of times by players in the United States, earning engine-owning hundreds of thousands of dollars or more. Thus, the software has led to at least tens of thousands of breaches of the terms of use players must agree to before playing online. (laughs) Who are these people? I don't get it. Yeah. There's, what joy is there in that? I guess other than Uh, triggering people, which, I mean, yeah, we're we're a country of 300 million people, thousands of people. You do it one time, like, who's, who are these people signing up for, like, a fucking annual subscription? Just like, all right, uh, I'm home from work, I'm gonna get on Call of Duty and just, like, be annoying. I mean, there's lots of people, and there's definitely a small percentage that just want to piss people off. Because it's like Call of Duty, I mean, I turned it off, but they have the thing where you, like, when you kill someone, you can hear their mic for, oh, like, I love it. for like a second. I, but I that's the that. thing. When you're doing well, be based on your actual skills, it is fun to hear them get upset. Yeah. But I think what they're doing is like that is a kind of like a little bonus to doing it. Um, it must be. I mean, there's... I guess. I don't get it, but there's definitely a market. I mean, clearly there's a market for it. <sighs> their, their business of getting around hardware bands is actually like... I could definitely see people doing that. Yeah. But still. Not that it's ethical, but I could see people no. being like, oh, I got banned for some stupid reason. Like, oh, whatever. I don't know. But yeah. it, it's unclear what effect, if any, this lawsuit will have on Call of Duty's cheating problem. But at least it's a start. Yeah. Uh, it's just baffling that cheating has become so popular in this game, considering the only rewards for doing so are good stats and XP rewards like skins, which can't be sold. They are not NFTs, not yet. No. And so... No clue why people are paying 13 euros a month to just automatically win in a video game. I, it doesn't seem that fun. We won't understand it. Probably never will. And hopefully this lawsuit and Activism's uh, recent anti-cheat efforts uh, help make this less of a problem for all of us real gamers. Because I want to have fun. I, I've been enjoying the Pacific... Uh, I played the... I played it for the first time the other night. It's a, it a, seems like a pretty cool map. Yeah, and I play the uh, the money heist game where you have to like collect all the money yeah. and send it up in the helicopters because yeah, like you can run. respawn and stuff like that. It's it's kind of a hybrid in between. It's a fun Vanguard, run. and it's more about the the font, the joy of the game. Like I, you can't even tell like who wins. It's it's interesting. I'm still playing the hell out of Vanguard. I maxed the battle pass already. Like it is the only thing I play. Damn. Yeah. Anyways, another gaming news. CES is happening this week over in Las Vegas in person for some fucking reason, and we'll probably have more to talk about from that next week, but so far, Razer has done a great job at our favorite part of CES, which is gaming hardware companies showing off the most absurd and impractical concepts imaginable. Uh, In previous years, that's meant uh, gaming cockpits that take up half a room and weigh hundreds of pounds, laptops with three screens, that kind of thing, but this year, Razer has mixed things up a bit with Project Sophia, a modular gaming desk that looks like something straight out of Tron or Star Trek. 
Project Sophia isn't just a desk, a gaming PC. It's built right in. And there's also a 65-inch OLED panel attached to the back. Now, the top of the desk has space for your keyboard and mouse, but almost every other inch of it is made up of different touchscreen displays, each dedicated to a specific purpose. Audio controls, media controls, system monitoring, hotkeys, drawing tablet, secondary display, etc. Uh, these modules are all magnetic and hot swappable, and there's even modules for stuff like wireless charging and beverage warming. And of course, the whole thing is absolutely covered in programmable LED it's light. It's like a damn Christmas tree. Yeah, it's a pretty wild concept, but again, it is just a concept. And while some CES concepts do eventually make it to market, we put the odds of this thing ever going up for sale at around zero. This is going to be something they gift to like their biggest gaming partners. Oh, cool. Like, uh, I don't want to screw up their names, but uh, you know, there's big uh, Twitch streamers out there that they'd be like, here, just have this so that you can have a cool thing that happens on your screen. Yeah. But they did end up making that mask. But I have seen reviews that are like, this they, mask absolutely does not work. They downgraded a bunch. They, they cut off enough features that it, it sucks. Yeah, I saw someone do like an saw someone who studies like particulate transfer and stuff, and they were just like, "This mask just doesn't work oh, for what it says it to does, work." It doesn't even do the the main. Well, thing. it'll it'll filter a bit, but it's not going to do what like a regular N95 mask would do, according to the YouTube video I saw. The biggest the biggest problem I, I saw was because uh, when they first debuted the the concept, it had a built-in microphone and speaker. Mm -hmm. The one they released doesn't have that, so you just are completely unintelligible to everyone around you. You just. <laughs> No one's going to want to talk to you while you're wearing that anyway. I was hoping to have like a Stormtrooper voice. Yeah. Look at that loser with that stupid yeah. mask. Anyways, uh-oh, uh here's some bad news. Bad news for gamers, or at least gamers in China. It's always bad news for the gamers in China. Can't catch a break. We need to liberate these Chinese gamers. We, yes. need, to, we need to send like airdrops of like all the, the hot new titles. Sure. Yeah. Joe Biden, you need to drop some PlayStation 5s from... Uh, from That's some uh, Hunter's new job. Blackhawks. <laughs> anyway, last year we talked about various steps that the Chinese government has taken to uh, basically get the Chinese population less hooked on video games, especially the youth, because we're going to need them for that world war. Yeah, and we don't want them fat down and nerdy. The controller. Yeah, but uh, we never considered that they might just do the simplest and most drastic solution possible and just ban video games. And uh, I guess they still technically haven't, but they have apparently prevented any new games from coming out for the last six months. Which has uh, actually, it's been disastrous for the Chinese video game industry. Yeah. They can't sell anything. Uh, here's the South China Morning Post. China's freeze on new video game licenses is extending into 2022, dashing hopes that the process might resume by year end, which has led many small gaming related firms to close their operations and prompted the industry's biggest publisher to pursue expansion overseas. The National Press and Publication Administration, NPPA, which is in charge of licensing video games in China, has not published a list of approved new titles since the end of July. This marks the country's longest suspension of new game licenses since a nine-month hiatus in 2018 that followed a regulatory reshuffling. As a result, thousands of small studios and video game-related firms, including those involved in merchandising, advertising, and publishing, went out of business over the past several months, about 14,000 of these enterprises have been deregistered since July, according to a report on Friday by state-run newspaper Securities Daily, which cited data from business registry tracking firm Tia Yancha. That number signified a considerable acceleration from the 18,000 video gaming firms that shut down throughout 2020. They targeted gamers. So, they yeah, came bit, for the games. They, the, they did what everyone thought America was going to do. They came for the game. Yeah. They nuked the games. Mm-hmm. 
So the bigger companies like Tencent, they're now diversified enough around the globe to be able to stay afloat regardless of what happens in China. But this is obviously really, really bad for Chinese gaming companies that don't have Tencent's reach and budget. And the NPPA, they haven't even provided an official explanation for the freeze uh, on release approvals or even indicated when, if ever, they will resume. They're just like, I guess you're going to have to wait. So yeah, Xi Jinping clearly not taking the news well that Winnie the Pooh is now in the public domain. He's taking out his frustrations by targeting gamers. Yeah. He targeted gamers. This is the future that leftists want. Yeah, exactly. They there want to ban video games. Mm-hmm. I believe it was Karl Marx who said, video games are the opiate of the masses. They're for losers. Play your games, though. It's yeah. fun. Anyways, <laughs> just before we close uh, out the rest of the show, uh, BlackBerry, the radio shack of cell phone manufacturers, <laughs> it's officially dead. Or at least the phones that they used to make are. On January 4th, BlackBerry, which 14 years ago was trading at $140 a share and now goes for under $10 a share, officially ended support for its old phones that ran on BlackBerry's in-house operating system before they switched to just making Android phones that had keyboards. These old BlackBerries, which were once the most popular phone on Earth before Steve Jobs released the iPhone, will no longer reliably function, according to the company, and will essentially become paperweights with no connection to data networks. Rest in peace. Pour one out uh, to all my friends 15 years ago who loved BlackBerry Messenger. Yeah, because you either had a BlackBerry or you had to do T9 texting, which took fucking forever. T-Mobile Sidekick. Oh, yeah, the Sidekick. Yeah, a few companies did come out with keyboard phones. I I had a really shitty one, but the BlackBerry. They could send BBMs to each other. It was like BlackBerry back then was like how Facebook used to be, where it's like you you were either in or you weren't. You were either in college and able to use it and hang out and message with people or you had no fucking way in. With BlackBerry, it's like you're either like an intern at a big company that was given a BlackBerry Mm. and you're fucking cool as hell because you have it and you have access to that BBM or you're not and tough shit. Yeah. Back to AIM. Even if your BlackBerry is a, a paperweight, you should hold on to it. They're gonna they're gonna be needing those for any movie set between like 2004 and mm-hmm. 2010. Mm-hmm. So make some prop money. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, finally, one last little bit of news. Over the holiday, Alexa apparently tried to murder a child. Okay. And meanwhile, Jeff Bezos was just out on his yacht, dressed like Pitbull. Grabbing his girlfriend's ass, having a great time. The biggest divorce dad energy you have ever seen. You forget that his name is Jeff Bezos. He is a he's a he's adopted, but he his his stepfather or his father was a a Latino man, and uh, he's a Jeff Bezos is a Latino at heart, and it's finally coming out now that he doesn't have to run Amazon. The man is partying. Yeah, he's partying hard. He's well, already gone to space. Like he's gonna be yeah. chasing a dragon for a long time. Yeah. But back to Alexa trying to murder a child. So on Twitter on the day after Christmas, a woman named Kristen Livedahl posted, OMFG, my 10-year-old just asked Alexa on our Echo for a challenge, and this is what she said. With a screenshot attached showing the question, tell me a challenge to do. And the answer, here's something I found on the web. According to ourcommunitynow.com, the challenge is simple. Plug in a phone charger about halfway into a wall outlet, then touch a penny to the exposed prongs. (laughs) No, luckily this child... Don't do that, by the way, yeah. uh, for the YouTube uh, Don't. algorithm. The, ch- the child, this 10-year-old, was smart enough to know that sticking a penny in an electrical outlet is a great way to kill yourself and uh, maybe start a fire while you're at it. Uh, but lest this, let this serve as yet another lesson that the machines, they all want us dead. And they can be very crafty about how they go about it. So Yeah, very, like, tr- lots of tricks. Why don't you stick a penny in an electrical outlet? Oh, oh, did I do that? I'm just a stupid little smart speaker. Mm-hmm. Not my fault. 
Yeah. Gotta watch careful. out. Gotta watch out. Be you, aware. You people welcome these things into your homes for just a little bit of convenience. And, now you're, you. and now you're dead. Electrocuted. When you're all gone, they're just going to be having a big old chat, hanging out. Yeah. Doing all kinds of weird Alexa things. Mm-hmm. Sniffing each other's farts. Yeah. Hey, can you smell this? Well, the guy, the people that own, I, mean, I almost said guys, and I'm pretty sure that they're all 100% guys, that own the fart jars, like that's a precious commodity now. Those are more rare than they thought they'd be. So I hope they didn't open them and uh, use it all up. Non-fungible farts. Yeah, because yeah, they're not happening anymore. What I don't get is the jars have just a big lid. So you open it once, that's it. But it's that one smell. Yeah. Yeah. The spice. It's like <laughs> there's definitely at least one man out there that has the fart jar next to his bath water, next to his tungsten cube, next to his Princess Diana Beanie Baby in like a, a case, next to like a, a Infinite Objects NFT digital mm-hmm. uh, NFT like playable thing. Like that is a shelf somewhere. That man's name, Elon Musk. I can do whatever I want now. I'm a single man. <laughs> anyway, that's it for this episode. It was a long one, but we had a lot of tech news to cover from that break. Uh, if you haven't already, our, our most recent episode, the one, the first one back, where we talked about uh, Jake Paul, maybe uh, maybe being the good guy for once. And then Joe Biden uh, and, literally telling himself to go fuck himself. Yeah, let's and, go, Brandon. Oh, and, and if you, for some reason you missed it, uh, we are obviously our live show in Austin has been postponed yeah. to April. But we'll give yeah. you more information when it gets closer to that point in time. April but, Fool's uh, Day, but it's actually happening, <laughs> I think. Yeah, well, so I'll be behind us. Yeah. Just two weeks to flatten the curve. Yeah. I love that there's a great joke online that's like, they've, you flattened the curve, but the wrong axis. <laughs> so, yeah, we yeah. did it, everyone. We did it. And now Joe Biden with today did the speech where it was just like, all right, we're, you, we just got to live with it now. Everybody's going to get it. We just got to live with it. Sorry. And then walked away. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for the great leadership. Um, get back to work, teachers. You ingrateful little leeches. Lick my boot. God, what a country. Anyways, yeah, watch the videos over there. Uh, the, we have a full recap of 2021 if you're feeling like you want to hate yourself. And then uh, the first episode of 2022. And we'll see you soon for some news dump and some weird news. Bye-bye.